Hello and welcome to Kane and Rin's Sound of Play 182. Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favorite pieces from the mini video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And uh, joining me, Ryan Heyman, in Sound of Play 182, we have a special guest today. Uh, we've been trying for the longest time to get the host of the computer game show to join us on the show. And, and finally, due to circumstances, we've been able to accomplish that goal. <laughs> so in a roundabout kind of way, uh, we have our friend Sean Bell. Hey, man. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, the computer game show is back up and running. Uh, you're at the the helm now while David is on paternity leave. Yeah. Uh, how is that going? You know, it's been really nice. It's been, mm. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think I said on the show just before Christmas, so it was like, like me, Matt and James all sort of knew each other through Dave. And that was like, even though we, like we all got on and we were all friends, but you know, when it's like one person, it's like clearly the, the you know, the link between mm. you all. And yet it was sort of, yeah, and like those sort of last few months last year, it was like, it was that realization. It's like, no, we're, we're all friends on our own terms now and this is going to be fine. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you know, like obviously Dave is, is uh, sorely missed, but, it, you know, we were like, no, this is, this is going to be okay. It's not, um, you know, it's not going to be a problem. So it's, yeah, it's been really nice. Like obviously sort of how it works in terms of the show, but also just in terms of us like being pals, it's, it's cool. And of course, it's not the only time that the dynamic has changed with uh, with members puffing in and exactly, out. Exactly, yeah. It's, you know, I think it helps when a show has like a semi-regular sort of shift like that because, you know, when people are like, oh, no, this podcast is these three or four people forever and that's that. And then, as you know, if it takes like two or three years before there's a slight change to that, suddenly everyone's like, oh, well, screw this. Like, I don't know who this new guy is. <laughs> I don't care anymore. 
Whereas if there's sort of a, there's a bit of a history of like occasional changes, I think it sort of helps. Yeah. Well, we tried to uh, mix up the hosts on Sound of Play every mm. week. And so, you know, there's, there's no sense of normality. Exactly. Around here it works. Always. <laughs> it's good to have you all back. And um, yeah, I'm just curious to see what that does to the dynamic this year. You know, yeah, you know over time it might different. be, it might be terrible. I think everyone's just waiting for the first time where I have to tell someone off um, and see how that goes, but <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> We introed this podcast with some very familiar music that I was surprised had not been featured on Sound of Play before. It might be a bit cheating because it's not technically from a video game, but it's from a video game system. This is from the Wii Shop channel. This was composed by Kazumi Tataka of all of Nintendo fame. <laughs> it's a piece of music that I think literally everyone likes, you know, it's, it's rare to come across those. It's yeah, like obviously, you know, music's very subjective, but if someone told me they didn't like this, uh, I would insult them and not believe them. And um, like the fact that it's become like a meme, right? That like, it, yeah. you know, people have inserted it into all sorts of videos and stuff. It's sort of like, why is it kind of inherently funny? That's what gets me. Like, it's a good tune, but why is there there's something hey, amusing about music. it? Right? Yeah. It's got this mix between the kind of like really smooth, loungy elevator music. Yeah. But then it's got like a bit of a, like a salsa dance quality to yeah. it. <laughs> it's got those kind of aggressive notes that play throughout this like otherwise kind of meandering and reserved. I don't know. It, it's It's a strange sound overall <laughs> yeah it's the it's the kind of thing that i do it's the sort of flourish that i miss with the switch a little yeah. bit like i really appreciate that you know um the system software on the switch is like it's so slick and everything's really fast and, and great and everything but it's yeah things like this are still missing i think it's um, mm. uh yeah it's, it's good I, I also missed the weather channel on the wii do you remember that yeah like yeah. we used to spend far too much time on that like it was always <laughs> Like whenever we had friends down and you'd, you know, you'd, you'd play like WarioWare or whatever till two in the morning. And then it was like, ah, should we just sit on the weather channel for 10 minutes before we go to bed <laughs> and just scrolling around like, oh, it's, it's hot in Australia. Oh, it's, <laughs> and the fact, you know, it, cause it had that really nice um, soundtrack as well. And like, as you scrolled mm. through around sort of different places, it would change the music and like the sound effects and stuff, depending on the weather. Mm. And yeah, it's nice. The thing that I miss was the the Google Street View, the Wii Street U from the Wii U. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, which is, I don't know, it, it felt cool because you could project it on your TV and you mm -hmm. got to navigate with the gamepad and a little bit more, uh, it, it felt more intuitive to to navigate and use than the one on the computer. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, uh, I was taking uh, some of my friends on kind of a virtual tour of uh, the university I went to grad school mm -hmm. in. Uh, through the Wii Street U and uh, just to kind of show them what the campus looked like. And it's not much to see. It's just about a city block, but it's um, it, it was kind of fun to take a look around. And I noticed in multiple of the shots of the individual kind of like stepping stone panoramic mm -hmm. photos that mm -hmm. you, uh, you explore, yeah. there was a guy wearing black and black sunglasses, just like looking at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> and so I would progress to the next spot just to see, because he kind of stood out from the yeah, um, yeah. From the backdrop a little bit, would uh, progress to the next to the next location, which was like maybe three or four steps forward mm -hmm. and would see, oh, he's gone. And then would look somewhere else. And he is like in a completely different place <laughs> looking at the camera again. <laughs> so I don't know if he was like sprinting between locations and just always happened to be in 
a place when uh, the picture was being taken but uh yeah because yeah, like on the one hand are you just are you, yeah like is that you being able to just sort of follow what someone did for a couple <laughs> of minutes of their lives or is that yeah have they like intentionally engineered that so they've yeah they've run around and sort of tried to be in different spots and stuff yeah weird. reminds me of a, did you ever see that video from uh the sherlock holmes nemesis game uh called creepy watson oh god yes yeah <laughs> Uh, that kind of thing in video games always really cheers me up when there's a there's a really well-intentioned mechanic that is really easy to turn into some sort of uncanny valley nightmare scenario. Yeah. Um, I guess without describing it here to, to ruin it for the home listeners, it's many years old at this point, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, younger listeners have uh, not even been exposed to it or, or older listeners as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, check out on YouTube, Creepy Watson. It's... Um, <laughs> quite funny (laughs) anyways uh let's get to some more modern music this was a game from uh two years ago now wow yeah although obviously it's it's a bit contentious because most people played it last year so this is one of the few (laughs) tracks from hollow knight that hasn't already been on the show um i I was uh yeah sort of searching through the list of songs that have already been used i really want like this is the one i wanted anyway and i was like i'm gonna be so upset Mm. if someone's already picked it it turns out so hollow knight's (laughs) been on the show like what five or six times now i think but yeah so this is uh city of tears this is more of a sort of connection to the the part of the game rather than connection to the song itself. Mm. But obviously it's it's the way it, it all fits together that really makes it. So like Hollow Knight is, you know, you spend so much of the game um, sort of traversing these sort of, you know, sort of rotten or sort of decayed environments, like everything's sort of disused and broken or, um, you know. And then when you reach the City of Tears, it's like, like yeah, there, there's still bad guys roaming around, but it's almost like this sort of perfectly preserved little area of the game where like it's like oh no like if you know if we cleared out all the enemies people could move back in here and live here it's like like it's really nice um and that's reflected in the soundtrack i think everything sort of prior to this area is you know it's all sort of quite somber whereas this is it's almost you know quite hopeful Mm. it's got a thing i'm a total sucker for when the track first starts there's sort of the main sort of arpeggio that runs through the whole thing it's got like some strange sort of emphases on it so that it kind of sounds like an unusual time signature it's not i think it's just in three Mm. four but um and then when the the strings come in it's sort of where you thought um each bar was starting it actually isn't it's kind of (laughs) um little things like that that sort of wrong foot you a little bit beautiful track and just as i say the way it it's this sudden sort of really sort of surprising tonal shift for the game sort of you know as i say sort of arriving in this area that's like actually somewhere nice to be um it's yeah yeah yeah, i love it or somewhere you can imagine being nice at one point yeah exactly yeah Uh, yes this is city of tears by christopher larkin from hollow knight
subject of Hollow Knight, mm-hmm. uh, I, I wanted to. Uh, there's a question that I've always kind of had in the back of my mind. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I've actually <laughs> emailed this into the computer game show at one point, but now that I have you in the hot seat, uh, there's a lot of talk and we're going to kind of dance around spoilers because this is related to the ending of people saying mm-hmm. that the default ending mm-hmm. that you receive by not doing anything special yep. is kind of a horrible ending. It's something you don't want to experience. Yeah. Um, but my reading of it was that like the hollow Knight was made for a specific purpose and in that ending, even though it does use a lot of imagery that is typically associated with real kind of dour outcomes, mm-hmm. uh, he is fulfilling that purpose. And even if, uh, well, I, I say the Hollow Knight, the character you're playing as, yeah, the, the, play the Hollow Knight is yeah. another character, yeah. <laughs> to correct myself. Um, uh, there's no indication that it's going to go wrong. And so in a way, you know, especially because this character doesn't express a lot of emotion throughout the game mm-hmm. and doesn't really in you know for that reason doesn't really express that he dislikes what's happening to him yeah like so, he, he, the whole point is yeah as you say he is this this empty vessel like he yeah he doesn't yeah care. yeah so in a way he's containing this you know what he is set out to contain so yeah he's yeah that, so that is initial that really ending, such a bad that, ending? <laughs> yeah like a yeah everyone says that's the you know the the rubbish sad ending but that is the the player knight like fulfilling his purpose as 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 was written for him you know um but obviously yeah the other endings are like him getting a little bit smarter and sort of mm, yeah yeah eradicating the thing he's supposed to contain rather than just containing it and having to sit in a mm-hmm. cell for the rest of eternity but i think that another thing that's cool in the city of tears is that you find like you find out who the hollow knight actually is because um, mm. you find that statue of him and it's like, oh, wow, this is OK. I'm not the Hollow Knight. I assumed I was because that's the title of the game <laughs> and I'm the main character in it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's yeah. a nice touch as well. Really excellent team as well. Just yeah. The nicest folks who are. Yeah, because uh, I don't know if you watch the speedrunner um, AGDQ this year. Oh, you know, I, I didn't watch it when it was live, but I always kind of mean to go back to it. But then it's, I always yeah. have a hard time of of doing that. finding like two I, I hours really to do, do enjoy. so yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um it, it's well worth seeking out but yeah team cherry made like a huge donation while it was on which is really nice oh cool cool nice folks uh anyways let's go to a request from the, from the forum this is another nintendo switch piece i say another uh hollow knight is multi-platform <laughs> uh, i guess i just kind of have it associated in my mind as a switch game i think because, every, yeah everyone everyone perceives yeah. it as a switch game <laughs> that came out in 2018 and <laughs> that's it yeah yeah, because it was a part of our uh, E3 conference and everything, and, and yeah, all the yeah. work that I've done with them has been to support the Switch version of it. But of course, yeah. I did play it on PC, so I should, I should, um, yeah, get myself <laughs> out of my my head a little bit. Um, right. Anyways, this comes from Octorock385, who says, "Do you mind playing Counter Attack from the Xenoblade Chronicles 2 soundtrack? It's over dramatic and bombastic, like a Saturday morning cartoon, and it's glorious." What if we read the intro and then decided that we do mind playing this song and uh, we're just going to skip it? Yeah, forget it. <laughs> um, I do really like the Xenoblade soundtrack. All the Xenoblade games, to my experience anyways, uh, I've never actually played it yet, despite having owned it since around launch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the music is so high energy, but it's still... Um, it's energetic and it's loud, but you can still kind of pick out every instrument, which is not easy oh, to yeah. do. Oh, yeah, it's, it's beautifully produced, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. 
I mean, I've, so I've only played um, Xenoblade Chronicles X, um, mm. which like has some of the worst music I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, but then other bits, it's yeah, it, it's sort of absolutely sublime. It's almost like it's like this this sort of part of me kicks in where it's like I'm almost preventing myself from fully comprehending it because it's mm. kind of like it's so over the top and emotional that it's like. I don't know. It's weird. It's like I have this sort of limiter in my head. Where it's like I'm just not going to listen to this properly because I'm going to get overwhelmed. Hmm. Like it's <laughs> it's really strange. Um, but yeah, there's yeah, like some really awful stuff and some really incredible stuff. It's weird. It might be useless if if you've only played that game and haven't played the others. But like, do you know? Do you have like a sense of how gameplay and story wise it compares to the other two? Because aesthetically, at least, it looks like a pretty distinct outlier. Um, no, to be honest, yeah, I've not really got any experience with the others, so uh, can't really comment. I know the the big robots were were new for X, mm-hmm. um, which is partly why I was interested. Um, but uh, yeah, no, other than that, not 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 a uh, sort of long time fan of the series, really. Cool. Well, let's go ahead and listen to Counterattack by Kenji Hiramatsu from Xenoblade Chronicles Two.
was another tw- 2017 track, just like the Hollow Knight one before that. Ah, Sean, you're uh, you're coming in with uh, one of the games that you championed during the <laughs> end of last year. So yeah. uh, why not introduce it to our audience as well? <laughs> yeah, so uh, this is uh, Sale, My Friend by, I'm going to say, Joel Shock uh, from mm-hmm. the Far Lone Sales soundtrack. Last year was such a good year for indie game soundtracks it was ridiculous like um <laughs> uh, i mean i love this game anyway but the, the the soundtrack was a was a huge part of it for those who don't know because this game seems to have flown under the radar um a little bit it's essentially it's a game where you're sort of getting this this vehicle like just across this sort of barren post-apocalyptic landscape um, but the trick is like it's a 2d platformer so you're sort of running around inside the ship sort of you know fixing things and putting fuel in and and it feels a lot like um games like lovers in a dangerous space time but they're you know they're games where like it's funny that you're playing it with other people and you're shouting orders to each other and you're all running around and getting stuff wrong and sort of kind of haphazardly mm-hmm. controlling this vehicle whereas in far lone sales you're doing it all on your own and it's about that sort of isolation and like you're sort of constantly thinking like god this would be so much easier if i just had another pair of hands but it's the whole point is it's just you and it has this really nice sort of back and forth between you know giving you new stuff to deal with and then making things a little bit easier again and then more stuff to deal with and a bit easier and, then, and it's sort of eventually like you, you know you have this total mastery of this vehicle and you figured out all sort of little shortcuts like running around inside it and stuff um but this song plays when you first get um you get a pair of sails for your for your ship so that it as long as the wind's up it will like maintain like a basic speed on its own so you you have this initial section where you're learning to put fuel in the engine and like punch it through to the engine and like you push this button and it sort of blasts you forward and and it's really sort of hands-on and the, and the soundtrack sort of it's really reactive um to sort of what's going on like it sort of drops off if you if you mess up like refueling your ship and you end up coming to a standstill, mm. the sort of soundtrack sort of pulls away and then sort of comes back in with a flourish once you finally get it going again. Whereas this section, you get these sails and you're just kind of drifting quite slowly for a little bit and it's kind of it's quite serene because you're like, oh my god, I don't have to like keep fueling it every five seconds. This is great. This is this is nice. And the soundtrack sort of supports that. There's this this sort of swelling, um, sort of grainy uh sort of bass synth that sort of goes throughout it that's sort of I mean, to me, sort of feels like the sort of like that's the wind pushing your ship. This sort of the way it sort of pulsates has this really nice sense of like the wind just hitting your sails and um, and pushing you onwards. And it's just and there's this. <laughs> it's I think this is like the only possibly the only like album in the world where I've appreciated the use of clarinet. I hate the clarinet. I don't know why. <laughs> I just think it's <laughs> really unpleasant usually. But um, yeah, really, really nicely used here. I think. Well, being a woodwind, especially, I think that's appropriate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, you know, because I, I had a music teacher in high school who, when he was like talking us through the comp, like you know how an orchestra works. Like I always remember, he got to the clarinet and he introduced it with the clarinet, the donkey of the orchestra, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it's horrible, <laughs> and that's just sort of stuck with me. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's used quite a lot in the. Uh, uh, far soundtrack and it's it's nice i'm okay with it the track has an interesting kind of mix between the uh, synthesized digital sound and mm. then the more kind of natural uh the the woodwinds and everything which yeah, are yeah. you know controlled by human breath and it's yeah. more kind of organic feeling and so you know this, this industrial meets natural uh, type of feeling kind of gives me a sense of of what that moment in the game must feel yeah. like. And as, as I say, yeah, because it's this first section where you are just being carried by the wind, it sort of yeah, it works. Mm-hmm. It's nice. Now, you mentioned earlier that uh, the soundtrack is kind of reactive to the things that you're doing. Mm. And 
that's always kind of interested me implementation in the game of course you know i was into that ever since like monkey island too when when music would change depending on where you're standing but also just the challenge that would present when you're trying to curate a video game soundtrack and then like put it together in a consumable standalone you know because so much of the music is dependent upon what the character is doing and and Mm. the music is reacting and, and almost being composed on the fly that how do you really like represent like there's so many ways that people have tried in the past like they'll have separate tracks for each of the states of you know of alerts that a metal gear uh base <laughs> might be in there's yeah. there's times when it just kind of cycles through but you're not sure whether you're hearing the entire you know if you wanted to spend more time in the the quiet section mm-hmm. uh before being issued into the louder section then mm-hmm. sometimes you feel as the listener like that was kind of stolen from you and so it, it's a difficult challenge maybe it'd be interesting to uh um ask thomas about that actually uh yeah, yeah. He works in the soundtrack yeah. industry because yeah like it's you know it's not like it's relatively easy to just compose a song and then be like well you know according to certain events i could fade in or fade out like Mm -hmm. the guitar line or the drums or whatever and just so essentially the song carries on playing but you're just introducing and removing certain elements but what's cool is in games like far and as you mentioned like monkey island games and stuff is that it was a bit more clever than that it was like everything's composed in this really sort of granular fashion so that it's like when certain things happen or don't happen or come in or fade out there are like little flourishes to go with that it's not just like so fade that out it's like no then so that goes to then like these four bars and then that goes to this and then and then there's a you know transposes to this key and then this and it's yeah really smart yeah i've been playing a lot of hitman 2 recently Mm -hmm. and i'm always you know because those levels encourage you to play them over and over and over again and you're hearing a lot of these same kind of musical cues i try to kind of get a sense of what the the flags are that cause the music mm-hmm. to change obviously when you're engaging in combat or doing something illegal and yeah. then as you're doing illegal things closer to enemies like dragging a body around closer to other enemies and the music will get mm-hmm. stronger as you become more anxious mm-hmm. uh as you are after you finish the level it plays a tune in the time between your assassinations being completed and you exiting the level and mm-hmm. then that tune really kind of swells up as you get closer to any of the exits and so if you're you know if you assassinate your targets and then you're just going around completing challenges then occasionally as you get close to exits you hear the swell of the music and then it dies back down again as you don't exit the level Mm. and uh it it feels a little i guess counter to the music's purpose in that case but uh, when it (laughs) works and when you're just playing the game as it's meant to be played like there's that is really cool. You know, mm. it feels like you are in a film that is being scored around the actions that you are precisely taking. Slight tangent, but like when you consider like a racing game, for example, like the car engine noises, <laughs> like mm, yeah. that has to be designed and programmed in such a strange way and that you've got so many different sounds playing off each other and like, you know, there's a there's a certain sound for like coming off the clutch and and the you know biting again and shifting gears and like it's not just a case of like well here's your engine noise and then it sort of pitches up as you get faster and that's kind of it. There's like there's so much going on there that it's just yeah and it's and it's really cool when people apply that sort of thinking to the soundtrack stuff. Anyways, let's listen to "Sail My Friend" by Joel Schock. Shock maybe. <laughs> I think he's German, so but that doesn't really help me. I mean, <laughs> sorry, Joel, if you're listening. Uh, from far lone sails. 
go to something completely different now. Uh, this is a piece of Game Boy music. I love Game Boy music, and I love jazz music as well. And so when I found this, what essentially sounds like a, a real swing and jazz piece, composed with uh, the Game Boy instrumentation, I, I really, um, really connected with it, despite... I don't want to say I'd never played the game, but I never owned the game and probably just played a couple of rounds in the playground and that was it. Like I don't have a like a firm connection to this title. I just really like the soundtrack. This is from Pokemon Pinball. And this is called Ketchum and Evolution Mode in Blue Field by Go Ichinose. And uh yeah, I guess there's multiple I mean, just like a regular pin pinball game, there's multiple tables and uh multiple as states of action um, hmm. that the the pinball game can go through, and uh, I don't know. I was just surprised to see such a such a lively swing and jazz piece uh, with <laughs> such interesting instruments. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I so I only played um, the Game Boy Advance one. I can't remember which was it, Ruby and Sapphire, possibly. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, brilliant soundtracks. Like, I mean, we're going back. I mean, God, 10, 15 years or whatever when I last played it mm -hmm. and I could still whistle the tunes to, like, you know, <laughs> like just, yeah, brilliantly catchy stuff. That's how I feel going back to Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu I've been playing a mm -hmm. little bit of. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going to say I'm in love with the control scheme, mm -hmm. uh, but otherwise it's uh, it's a really cool. I've played so much of Pokemon Blue and Yellow, especially back in, back in uh, elementary school, I think it was, mm -hmm. <laughs> long time ago. And going back to those cities... Uh, not for the first time, of course. You went back to those cities in Pokemon Gold and Silver, and then in Pokemon Fire Red and Leaf Green, the the first set of remakes uh, a few years back on uh, Game Boy Advance as well. It's just really cool to see these locations that I'm so familiar with in 3D this time, and to hear that same music, but uh, composed by what sound like real instruments at least. And uh, it's that kind of thing gets to me. <laughs> Yeah, like I remember when I first saw the Pokemon anime, um, which I think we got relatively late in the UK, but mm -hmm. that was like, yes, yeah, so that was my first experience of hearing something that I was used to hearing just as a chip tune thing, but then suddenly like all the music's like fully orchestrated and I was like recognizing the tunes and like that yeah. hit like more than anything in, in the anime, that hit me like that was that was really cool. Um, and of course now we're at this point where it's like chip tune is its own genre and not necessarily, mm -hmm. like, you know, you, you forget the early, I was trying to program something for the Commodore 64 um, trying to program like a basic synthesizer and like looking at the the instructions that came with the the computer it's like oh so you know here's how you make a, a sound that's like a piano or like an oboe or like <laughs> and it's like oh my god they, they actually thought these sounded like real instruments whereas now we just recognize them <laughs> as sounds of their own you know it's it's, its own thing um, and it's yeah. not necessarily that it's a poor imitation of a real instrument it's just its own sound but yeah when you first hear that transition like when you first hear something that you're used to hearing just as a chiptune thing as like a fully orchestrated thing that is it is quite it's weirdly moving i think have you ever had a video game remake just really catch you in a uh, like a place of of deja vu of of having been somewhere before but it really striking you that you're in the same place it just looks so much different um i'm trying to think i mean probably the closest thing i can think of is like Usually once a year, I go back to um, Fantasy Star Online. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's like a, yeah, the, the deja vu with that is incredibly intense. The first level, uh, Forest One, like, so even though, you know, now we can play it 
you know, in like 1080p on my uh, laptop or whatever. It's so it like kind of it looks a lot better, but obviously it's still the same soundtrack. But yeah, like that fully transports me back to playing it on the Dreamcast on a, a 14 inch CRT mm. TV in my brother's bedroom. It's <laughs> yeah. I was a bit disappointed I didn't get that in um, the Shadow of the Colossus remake. Oh, really? Uh, I mean, obviously those uh, the Colossus fights themselves are very memorable, and mm-hmm. then the the courses that they inhabit are. Um, you know, I, I would use my knowledge of of beating them all the way back then to uh, kind of inform how I would fight them yeah. in the remake. But as far as like the spots in between, mm-hmm. I, I don't really feel like a. I didn't get a, like a strong sense of recognition of more than like maybe a couple, you yeah. know, a tree that was hanging over a cliff that I remember spending a long time trying to shoot the fruit off of or something like that. <laughs> uh, but yeah. yeah, I didn't really get that same sense of deja vu. So yeah, I, I so I chose not to play the remake. I gather it's very good. Oh, really? Um, purely because, I don't know. I think it was, it's something I'm quite happy with it just sitting in my memory and not hmm. like... In my head, it already looks as good as the remake did. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and I'm happy for that memory to just sort of keep, you know, sort of fermenting away. Oh, and, sort of get... <laughs> and I think it's one of those games that once you're sort of overly familiar with it, it kind of spoils the magic of it rather than... Like, I remember mm. completing it and then, you know, you sort of unlock the, the speedrun mode. And then suddenly mm, I was yeah. like, no, I'm thinking of it too much like a, a game now. And yeah, that's sort of yeah. ruining the magic. It's yeah, strange. <laughs> I've told this story before, but um, speaking of these kind of deja vu in video game mm-hmm. areas, I uh, was um, visiting San Diego a few years back mm-hmm. with uh, with my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, we were down there for Comic-Con, actually. And um, so the first and only time that I'd, I'd been to Comic-Con, and we went to Balboa Park. Mm-hmm. And I started looking around because I got this weird sense of deja vu. And I realized that that was a location that I had recognized from, I think, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4. <laughs> and I remembered like, oh, yeah, this is the big round fountain that you skate around. And here's the the staircase with the the little waterfall things on the side. And mm-hmm. there's the, the botanical garden and everything is, <laughs> you know, everything is moved a little bit. But you just get the sense of like, wow, I am... I am in a new place I've never been before, but at the same time, I've spent a ton of time here and I totally know my way around and it's the weirdest thing in the world. <laughs> it's weird. It's like I used to think, like, you know, I used to think that if you were seeing things in real life and being like, oh my God, this is like a game I've played, that's kind of the wrong way around. There's something kind of sad about that, <laughs> do you know what I mean? But then obviously financial constraints, like it's a lot cheaper to just play a game that's set in an area rather than have to actually go and visit everything. So of course, that's generally the, the way it happens, but... Yeah, I think like appreciating sort of video games as sort of virtual tourism. Um, like I know you did a, a, a series of videos on, oh, which was it? The hmm. Disney one where you can just kind of wander around. Right, yeah, the uh, Connect Disneyland adventures. Yeah. Um, so that, that's one of the few games that you can play on PC with Game Pass. So I've actually got, I've got it downloaded. Because <laughs> I, I was like, do you know what? I'd be quite happy to just walk around and have a look. That seems interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's a stunning recreation of the park, like yeah. down to the smallest details, like those mm-hmm. uh, those weird horse hitching posts mm-hmm. that they have on Main Street USA. It's yeah. like, wow. Yeah, they <laughs> they got all the, the types of benches, the texture on the walls and everything, and mm-hmm. the trash cans and the various lands. Like they really went... <laughs> all the way with that one <laughs> anyways we're talking around the point let's uh let's get to some music this is ketchum and evolution mode in blue field from pokemon pinball
was the Game Boy Color piece. Let's go to an older piece of music. This comes from Brazenhead89 from the forum who says, If you asked me to name a song that so perfectly captures the opening level of an early 90s cute-as-hell platform game based in a cheerful and colorful world, I'd have pointed you towards Happy Birthday from Gimmick on the NES. But, as we've already had that, here's its squelchy Sid Chip Cousin Song 1 from Flimbo's Quest on the C64. Flimbo's Quest is not a game that I am familiar with. Okay, so I, uh... so I played this back when I was a kid. I must have okay, only, cool. yeah, so I must have only been sort of I don't know five or six years old. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's an incredible soundtrack. It's again, it's one of those that, that stuck with me. Like, um, there's so many great tunes in it, and uh, yeah, it's like he mentions like really nice use of the Sid chip, just loads of sort of really diverse sounds and like yeah, the sort of squelchy bass lines and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's very bouncy in the way that old video game yeah. music can be. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it's fun. Yeah. So, song one by. Rain, uh-oh. Oh, yeah, I just, sorry, I just saw that, and I thought, thank God I'm not pronouncing it. <laughs> Say, uh, Owehand? Yeah, go for it. Uh, that sounds right. Yeah, as a, uh, as a stupid American, that's my <laughs> excuse. <laughs> From Flimbo's Quest. from the forum from Dusk versus Tweak, who says, while the sequel, Age of Kings and its expansion is probably a better game, and the one I've spent the most time on, the original Age of Empires uh, and its Rise of Rome expansion, are the ones I get the most misty-eyed over. 
This was my first real-time strategy game as a kid, and with its historical setting, it was mesmerizing. I don't think I understood the game as a war simulator. It was just a simulator in my child's eyes. It was as much about building a fantastically laid-out base and city as it was about raging war on the surrounding nations. This track, Tango Alpha Bravo, is the one I think of when I look back on the game. The music has a mystic quality to it, and if it's by magic that you're going to rise up above the world, and not by the sweat of your miners and builders, what this track also says, to me anyways, is that your journey is is just beginning. Things are as simple as they get, but hurry up and get working, because the world isn't going to sit back and wait for you to become a great civilization. This is Tango Alpha Bravo by Stephen Rippey. Uh, Sean, are you much of an RTS player? I'm really not. <laughs> but I, like in terms of like music-wise, I don't envy people who have to compose stuff for games like that because mm. you spend so long on them and it's not necessarily... Like because you know everything's quite drawn out, and you can spend yeah. an entire evening on it, and and you know, and there might not necessarily be like specific events for the soundtrack to react to for a long time. Right. So, I think it's kind of like MMOs as well. I think they sort of have that problem in that it's like generally after you know sort of ten hours in, it's like doesn't matter how great the soundtrack is, you've heard it so, like, so many times over, you tend to just disable it and put your own stuff on instead. I can imagine it's a very difficult thing to compose for. Like you need to like you need to compose it in a way that it's doesn't stick out too much like if it's you know if there's like a really obvious hook then you're just going to get annoyed like even mm. if, you know, no, no matter how good it is it's got to be it's got to be composed to be heard over and over again you know yeah and there's not that much in the rest of the sound design that really takes some of the attention away from the music it really mm. is just the music sitting there on its own for the entire length of time you know there's so many other genres like first person shooters people get really into the gun noises yeah. and and um, racing games people get really into the engine noises to the point where sometimes they like to you know mute the soundtrack and just listen to the roar of the engine over their big booming bass speakers mm-hmm. uh, but uh with yeah rts games i guess the entire sound plane is non-competitive for that uh that focus yeah yeah unlike other genres you know it was uh and and sometimes even the sounds in older rts games can get uh pretty annoying as well because i seem to remember them reusing a lot of sound effects there's a lot of repetitive tasks yeah um people uh people fell in love with the warcraft series uh probably in no small part due to the fact that the characters didn't say the same thing every time you clicked on them <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah that was a uh, quite a step forward <laughs> but anyways this is a, a very nice piece of music it's very dramatic Makes me really wonder where in the uh, the course of the gameplay this uh, this came into play. But uh, this is called Tango Alpha Bravo. I don't know if I would have um, have pinned it as a something that was especially historically Roman sounding, but uh, it, it's a cool <laughs> piece of music, anyways, by Stephen Rippey from Age of Empires: The Rise of Rome.
now, Sean, I know that you spent uh, a lot of time with uh, Nier Autonoma and mm. enjoyed that one. Uh, were you coming off of a strong connection with the first game? I'm not remembering. It's, uh, sort of, not really. <laughs> so I, I played, I don't know, maybe 10 hours of, of Nier. Sort of really appreciated how brilliantly weird it was. Um, and then I think, oh, it was one bit, it was quite early on. We have to go in, it's like an old robot factory or something that you go into. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you need like five of these items. And I fought my way all the way through this this facility and got to the end and beat the boss and then got back to the start. And I was like, oh no, you only got four because it's, <laughs> like, it's dictated by random drops. So you got to go back in. Mm. And I was like, oh, I'll come back to this uh, another time. And then never did because I'm a bad person. But yeah, it's a fascinating game. Like obviously, you know, through like starting uh, Near Automata, sort of going back and researching the original. So, you know, I say the original, of course, this all links back to Drakengard on the PlayStation 1. Right. Um, but yeah, sort of getting my head around that timeline was it was a lot of fun, yeah. I played uh, Near and Dragon's Dogma at around the same time. Okay, yeah. And... They're kind of similar looking games. I was going to say, um, yeah, I can, as, yeah. yeah, I can appreciate Art that. direction okay. and graphics and such. Yeah. And uh, it, it got me, because sometimes you have these kind of flashes in your mind of a location from a video game. And there's a particular location that thinking back, I can't remember which of the two games it's in. <laughs> and uh, I, I think back on it sometimes. And I know that it's really easy for me to go back and check mm-hmm. but um i don't know i kind of like that mystery <laughs> but anyways this is a piece of music from the original near called shadow lord white note remix uh, this is composed by keichi okabe and i i tend to like music that is played impossibly fast on piano <laughs> uh, for some reason that always really connects with me um you get a lot of that in the especially the video game remixing community where a lot of the music is um, composed kind of one note at a time on synthesizer software, like Fruity Mm. Loops and stuff. And so it is uh, more possible to do these kind of lavish and overabundant mixes of of music that you would be almost impossible or or virtuosic to to perform in real life. But um, almost like the tradition of the uh, Black MIDI. Uh, Sean, is that a term that you're familiar with no i don't think it is sorry so black midi it's like a community challenge almost that Mm -hmm. people set for themselves and you can check out these videos on youtube they usually use a visualizer software um, uh, to play back these midis that people have composed Uh, the visualizers with the uh, the notes falling from the top of the screen and then when they hit the keyboard on the bottom it represents like what note is being played but yeah uh, the the thing with black midis is you're supposed to use kind of as many notes at all times as possible, and you're <laughs> supposed to kind of create these these amazing ornate animations with right. the visualizer. <laughs> and so, um, I mean, it, it's really worth is checking out. Um, it's kind of unlike anything else. So you get these really heavy, really dense pieces of music with these kind of beautiful animations supporting them, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a little bit of cheating going on of lowering the volume of notes that aren't needed but you know ideally right. it's supposed to sound like um like a, a interesting good piece of 
of of music and um whilst also being visual at the same time sort of yeah 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 i guess the uh, the point of pride in the black midi community uh, for creating a really excellent mix is that it's supposed to crash your computer from <laughs> the amount of notes that it's uh, being played towards the end of the mix so <laughs> i don't know if that's a tradition that has maintained uh, now that most of the people consuming it are just watching youtube videos that obviously aren't going to crash your computer but that's it's, cheating isn't it yeah <laughs> yeah it's a uh, interesting uh, statement of purpose, and uh, you get a lot of these very um, kind of overproduced pieces of music. But I think there's a certain aesthetic to that that I really connect with. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so you get a, a, a few notes of that in here. This is Shadow Lord, a White Note remix from Near. Thank you. 
We have one piece of music left to listen to today. But before we do that, we'd like to uh, encourage everyone to jump on over to our forum at canonrinse.com slash forum. Or you can tweet us at Twitter. It's unnecessary. At canonrinse. And um, you can request some of your favorite pieces of video game music that we will play on future Sounds of Play. Uh, we do take video game music from all eras, from all systems, and we usually like to have an eclectic mix on all of our um, all of our episodes. So uh, yeah, feel free to throw us some real curveballs and we'll find a way to work them in. Do check out our other podcasts, Canaan Rinse, which comes out on Mondays, The Sausage Factory, which comes out on Fridays. And uh, I, I guess I can uh, throw in a plug for my own podcast I host with Ryan Quintel, which is called Playwright, which we put out on uh, Tuesdays. So in between days of other Cane and Rinse stuff, you get uh, Monday's Cane and Rinse, Tuesday's our, our Playwright, Wednesday's Sound of Play, and the Computer Game Show, of course, <laughs> Friday's for the Sausage Factory. Thursday is your day of rest like the Lord our God recommends. Uh, Sean, thank you for joining me. And why don't you, we've already talked about the computer game we show, have, but if you would enough. like to plug that or something else, then. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, the computer game show, it's one of those podcasts um, where, you know, some white guys talk about what they've played this week and then answer questions. But, <laughs> but, but I like to think. You won't believe how white these guys are until you listen to it. It's, it catches me by surprise every week. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, I, yeah, I like to think there's a bit more to it than that but i mean judge for yourself um <laughs> you can find us on any good uh podcast whatever you're listening to this on i guess uh, just search for the computer game show or uh, you can find us on twitter at computer game pod yeah I, it's a lot of fun doing that show yeah that's every wednesday that goes up yeah that, oh, I mean, if you want to find me on twitter i'm at captain toss but i mean why would you do that <laughs> Now you've uh, got some uh, Twitter fame in the past for some videos and stuff that you've posted. I did, so. yeah. I had that uh, Breath of the you Wild never one. Know. Which, I mean, <laughs> the thing is, that video, like, <laughs> that really put me off Twitter for a while because <laughs> for those who haven't seen it, I did a funny video where, I say did a funny video, it was just a thing that happened when I was playing Breath of the Wild where <laughs> I picked up a, a chest with the, you know, the magnetic thing and then sort of lifted it out of some water and then a bird just happened to fly past and I just clocked it on the face and it did this amazing squawk <laughs> noise and then fell to the floor. So I tweeted that and it got like millions and millions of views or impressions, whatever you call it. And I got like six followers out of it. <laughs> and you just think like, God, what is the point? What is, <laughs> this is an absolute waste of time. If I can do something that is seen by that many people and then like millions of people and then only six actually look at like me and the things I'm saying and go, yeah, do you know what? He seems, he seems okay. Millions of people went, nah, forget it. Don't like this guy. <laughs> so yeah, that sort of, that threw me off Twitter for a bit. There's a lot of stuff that I produce that takes way too much time, mm -hmm. but, uh, and gets maybe like 20 views overall, but yeah. it's still like, I'm glad that it is, that it exists. It makes me happy knowing that it's out there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, Maybe that's, someday. That's the more somebody important will thing. find it and we'll make their day. Yeah. It's like, you know, you make something that really means a lot to five people. It's better than something, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, I got some really nice, like I got replies, like people, you know, saying like, oh, this, my mate did this, you've stolen it. And I was like, what? I mean, A, why? Why would anyone? I mean, I suppose people do do that. <laughs> I can't even imagine how you would set something like that up. Well, exactly, and like you can see that I've posted it from like from the Nintendo Switch. Like you know, you know, Twitter mm. tells you what, what client people have used. But then you know, I got like one tweet that just someone just tweeted at me saying this cured my depression, which was nice. Wow. Um, yeah. 
so yeah, that, that was a, that was a weird time. Twitter just became unusable for about a week because it was just notifications coming in constantly. <laughs> I do really appreciate the computer game show. It's one of the highlights of my week. Genuinely, oh, thank you. every week, uh, I kind of you know Mondays are you wake up and it's like oh boy another week ahead of me. But then when I get to Wednesday, it's like, well, I got the computer game show to listen to on the way to and from work. So it's like, gives me a little pickup in the middle of the week. <laughs> I mean, knowing Matt, I'm pretty sure he like researched like the best day of the week to, to, you know, <laughs> release a podcast, like based on like how miserable people are. And like, obviously everyone hates Wednesdays it's <laughs> halfway through the week. So uh, yeah, it's ideal. So let's yell at each other and fight and make people feel uncomfortable sometimes. <laughs> Well, Dave's gone now, so less of that, hopefully, but we'll see. Ah, uh, well, anyways, I want to introduce this last piece of music to us. Uh, yeah, this is uh, Are You The Same by uh, Tim Scheel featuring Researcher. Uh, it's from The Gardens Between, our almost uh, Game of the Year winner, controversially. Mm. Um, everyone's really sad that it, <laughs> it, it, it went up against God of War and, and won. Um, and everyone was really upset by that for some reason, but I think it's an incredible <laughs> game, um, yeah. and I particularly love the soundtrack. It's interesting. So this, yeah, so this track is by the composer Tim Shiel and uh, features some vocals. There's a couple of tracks on the soundtrack that have vocals, but yeah, it's, it just says it's just credited to researcher, which turns out it's not easy to Google. So <laughs> I, I, I know absolutely nothing about them. Like even listening to the track, like the vocals are quite sort of androgynous. Which I thought was interesting because, I mean, without spoiling anything, I I feel like this sort of comes after, like, a long time after the game ends. Um, mm-hmm. it, it to me it suggests a, a, an event happening like a long time after the ending happens. The fact that you've got two protagonists, one mm. male and one female, that sort of androgynous voice sort of works. It's kind of to me it's this implication that it's it could like could be either of them or both of them um, sort of saying the the things that are uh, sung in this song. And I really like that idea of this song as being a sort of postscript to what is... No, I can't say without spoiling it. Um, uh, yeah, it's postscript <laughs> to the ending anyway. And I just think it's it's just a beautiful piece of music. It's I managed to find a version of it that does sort of quite neatly fade in and out. If you listen to this on the, the soundtrack on Spotify, or I guess if you actually just purchase the soundtrack like a good person, um, it's... It, blend seamlessly with the tracks sort of before and after it so it's quite awkward listening to it in isolation but I, yeah managed to find a version that um just sort of neatly fades in and out yeah just like really nice sort of varied instrumentation it's mostly mostly synthesizers um really nice sort of deep uh sort of sub bass line but without being obnoxious about it it's you know sometimes like you listen to the you know stuff with like a really really sort of sub bass line and it's quite obnoxious and really sort of like quite uncomfortable yeah. to listen to, whereas this sort of yeah, avoids that. Yeah, just really beautiful. And again, it's sort of, it's kind of got a hook to it. It is just sort of a, an arpeggio that sort of goes over most of it, but it's it's something I do find myself whistling quite a lot, whereas a lot of the soundtrack is quite subdued and, and sort of sits behind what's going on um, in the game. This is this is sort of a bit more in your face. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's a beautiful piece of music. I really love it. Very nice. The Gardens Between from the Voxel Agents, another game from last year. Let's end off with Are You the Same by Tim Scheel, featuring Researcher, and we'll see you next week. 